0: Hello, I'm Corey Strumman. Welcome to the Rochester Rising podcast, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs in Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for spending some time with us today to learn more about small business and the culture of entrepreneurship in Rochester. We hope that you learned something today from a local entrepreneur that can help you with your own journey. This week on the podcast, we chat with Clay Fulton, who is a full-time musician here in Rochester through a self-titled solo project, as well as his full band, Clay Fulton and the Lost 40. Today we'll be discussing the intersection of art, music, and entrepreneurship, pandemic challenges for musicians, and the growing support for local live music in the Rochester community. Let's get started. Stay tuned after the episode for some bonus content, the title track off of Clay Fulton and the Lost 40's upcoming album, Positive Numbers. Well, thank you for being here today. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Well, to get started, tell me about you. What are some of your hobbies, interests, and pastimes outside of playing music?
1: So outside of music, I'm kind of a outside guy, I guess you'd say. Uh, I just got back from my cabin up north. What I do a saying? lot of that kind of hiking on the water, kayaking kind of stuff uh, when I have time, uh, I'm also a fan of, like, old-school retro video games and arcades, that kind of nice. stuff. Um, but when it boils down to it, I'm definitely, like, a family and friends kind of person. Spent a mm-hmm. lot of time with my girlfriend. I'm, my family lives all around the country, so we always kind of prioritize getting together and that kind of thing. Um, and then I guess I also say just, like, supporting... Local live music and like l- local businesses. I like I, I enjoy doing that. Restaurants, whatever it might be, shops. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, tell me about what got you into playing music when you
1: first started. So that goes back to I'm 34 now. When I was five, um, so for the listeners, I have a prosthetic leg, and when I was young, um, doctors weren't really sure if my level of like physical activity and stuff like that so my mom and dad just thought like I seemed interested in music so like it'd be a good thing to get going on and sure. it turned out that I did both and played some sports but as a result I started taking classical guitar lessons when I was five years old and I never stopped taking lessons until I was like 19 or 20 cool yeah that's so that's awesome. kind of, that was how it started out
0: yeah cool what's kind of your background then in work, education, leading up to this point?
1: Well, education, I'm a local boy here in Rochester. So I went to like a local grade school, St. Francis, and I went to Leward High School. Um, and then in 2006, I went to McNally Smith College of Music in St. Paul. Okay. Um, didn't finish with a degree. I was there for a couple years because um, you could go full time in the summer. So I was there from like 2006 to 2008, roughly. Okay, sure. Um, and worked on a couple degrees. But like I said, I ended up leaving before I finished those. Sure. Yeah.
0: Sure. And then work wise, what did you do leading up to now?
1: I was the co owner and operator of Brothers Barn Grill. Um, my family started that back in 91. But for the last 12 years um, that we had it, I was a partner. And my specific role was more of the, uh, I was more of the bar guy and, yeah. and, and ran the night show. So
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So how did you go about making the transition from kind of running Brothers to playing music full time?
1: Yeah, so I had a lot of time to think about that one. Um, we knew about two years before we sold the business that we were going to be doing that. So it gave me a lot of time to stew on music. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> made it difficult too. It was a long wait. But um locally I made so many great connections with other business owners, people in the music scene. So like when I was kind of gearing up for that, like it definitely gave me an advantage because people like knew me personally. Mm-hmm. And even though I didn't have anything recorded or like, you know, normally when you hit up a venue, they want to hear your stuff and see a press kit or whatever. Sure. And that kind of helped me bypass that a little bit and like get me started, which was great because the local support around here was, it was awesome and, um... Yeah, so that that definitely gave me an advantage, but it helped make that transition a lot easier. Good.
0: So uh, while owning and working
1: at Brothers, were you gigging locally then, too, just not full-time? It was hard. Um, you know, in the restaurant business, you're always stuck working weekends. Yep, nights and know. weekends all the right. time. So it was rare. Um, my buddy Chris Pickett, who used to do the booking for Forager once upon a time, um, he was the first one to like be like, you know, you should go out and play a gig once in a while. And it it would be that. It would be once or twice a year. And sometimes I would just gig at Brothers. Sure, yeah. um, Because it was easier to staff it that way. But (laughs) uh, Forager, I guess, would be like my first spot I played out at and consistently have always played there since, at least yearly. And now it's monthly.
0: Yeah, yes. But, (laughs) But yeah, but
1: love the Forager family. You know, they support local music so hard there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, how have you seen the Rochester community change positively in its support of local music?
1: I would say the biggest change I've noticed, especially just these last couple of years, um, you know, Rochester was pretty contained to the like bar band scene, I would say. Mm-hmm. And or like, you know, your solo performer acoustic stuff, which lucky for me, fit my bill well. But it didn't always include a lot of other genres of music or like places for other people to perform other genres of music. Mm -hmm. And I think that definitely has made some strides, uh, specifically with places like Hidden World Vinyl and Thesis Beer Project. Mm -hmm. I think they're really taking notice of like what local people are really wanting to listen to. Yeah. And not there's anything wrong with being in fun rock and roll bands that play in bars, but there is more to music than that. And it's cool to see other people come out and support music Yeah, yeah they absolutely. normally wouldn't get a chance to listen to.
0: Totally. There yeah. is something for everyone yeah. these days, which maybe wasn't always the case.
1: <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, like, I would say 10 years ago, like, you never would have got a decent hip-hop show in Rochester yeah, or something like that. Totally. And and now, like, you, they do those in their full houses, and that's really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely.
0: How do you think that it can do better?
1: Well, I think... Rochester's been pretty spoiled in that most of our entertainment, other than like big shows at the Civic Center when they do come around, are always free. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you go to college towns and you see other even smaller towns that have bigger music scenes than us. But people are willing to go pay the small event bright ticket prices or a $5 cover charge But those things really sustain venues. Yeah. And not everyone's fortunate to make enough product on food and beverage at every show to keep paying musicians to come back on a weekly basis. So I think Rochester residents could... You know it could pony up a little bit maybe yeah (laughs) you know i guess i would say yes and like maybe they would see more as a result of that but it's a risk for someone to open a venue like that here still yeah where you're only ticketed and it always costs to get inside truly so but i think that's something we could we could work on and i think you do see more small events have tickets on them but you know it's hasn't been like it's not often
0: right yeah, yeah. I feel like so many of us will kind of like huff and moan about paying $5 to go to a Rochester show, but we'll pay $25 and drive to the cities. It's so true. To do something like that.
1: when. Yeah. Or we'll, we'll go play a show in Winona and people right. will pay a $5 cover and it's, you know, it's just a normal weekend show.
0: So as a musician, how do you go about marketing yourself and your music?
1: So that's... Uh, it's been a process. I admittedly didn't know anything about it other than, you know, like advertising my own brick and mortar business before. But I found it's very different mm-hmm. than like putting a burger special out in a in a newspaper.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Um, and just like that though, there's there's no like one single effective way, but you know, um I'm sure like most people know I learned very fast that just having like a decent website and and taking advantage of things like Facebook and Instagram are like mm-hmm. the must-dos. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of what I focused on the first record. Now it's changed. We're using things like YouTube more. We have so much more content as right. we've been a group now for a year and change, so we'll use things like our music videos to make ads. We're working with a promotions company out of minneapolis called tinderbox music mm-hmm. um and that's just kind of getting us into some different platforms but it's just like anything else everything costs money and yeah. it's you know it's it takes a plan um and i have a business manager named bill Neitz who's been very uh, integral in that part of putting dollars and cents together and what makes sense to spend your money on right but it's tough for sure yeah absolutely
0: what would you say were some of the greatest challenges you faced kind of while becoming a full-time
1: musician? Well, again, like my timing was, you know... Uh, crazy with how COVID hit. I sold my business in February of 2020.
0: <laughs> Talk about timing.
1: <laughs> it was, And then less than a month later, the shutdown happened. That's So, insane. I mean, obviously I wasn't out gigging anytime soon after that. So COVID was definitely a roadblock, but I wasn't the only person that faced that roadblock. Um, but once that kind of loosened its grip a little bit... You know, some gigs are coming through, but I would say the biggest has been the you know just lack of venues and opportunities to take advantage of. But right. I think that's all all because of COVID. Right. Um, also, the other biggest challenge of being a performer is money. I mean, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> you don't get rich doing it right away. Right. So you really you know you got to grind it out if you're going to really try to do it full time and like pay all your bills just performing. Right. So yeah, that's been challenge.
0: Totally. To give listeners an idea, how many times a week? would you say that you gig kind of to make it happen for yourself?
1: Well, I mean, and that's the other part. It's harder in the winter than it is in the summer. You know, Rochester, like most places in Minnesota, it's just busier and there's more patios and stuff. But like, Um, if I can gig three or four days a week in the summertime, like you're doing okay. Sure. But like in the winter, it can be hard to put together a weekend. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden you're only working two out of seven days. And when you're not working, you're spending money, you know? That is
0: true. That's a hundred percent.
1: It's been tough (laughs) and I've learned to budget very well again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Absolutely. But yeah, that's, it's tough.
0: Yeah. A labor of love, certainly. For real. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what are some of your thoughts on the intersection of art, music, and entrepreneurship?
1: Well, I think that kind of circles back to that labor-love thing. Um, It's a super difficult road, but it's so enjoyable and, like, fulfilling. And I think, you know, um, any number of artists can do it. I think I'm lucky that um, the kind of music I perform lends itself to a few more opportunities but overall, I think Rochester's support of the art and music seems to be growing. And I think you are seeing absolutely. more people do cool shops and performing centers. And, and you just see like more genres of music coming, like we said earlier, all of that. But um, I think it's doable. But I think it's just like you have to like truly be in love with it if you're going to go for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah,
1: I mean, it, it's, like, it's just one of those things. I don't think like you're going to get rich doing it right away. But right. Like, it's so true, though. You don't work a day in your life if you do what you love. Yeah. <laughs> and I find myself now like, you know, 10 times happier making half as much money as I used to. Absolutely. So there's a lot to be said for that, too.
0: Yeah. Well, I hear that there is a new album on the way very soon. Yep. Would you like to share anything about it, inspiration sure. for it, where people can find it?
1: Well, yeah. So maybe just like the the info, Um, the record drops a week from today, which would be August 12th. We'll do a release show at Thesis Beer Project that night with some other wonderful performers. Music starting at 7 uh, with Jerica Miguel from Eau Claire. And we're going to close the night out with the Immaculate Beans. So Heck yeah. We're really excited. It's going to awesome. be a super fun time. We're going to play right in the middle. Uh, we recorded this record at Carpet Boost Studios with Zach Zern. Sweet. Um, I would say, for those of you who have heard any of our prior music, it's a bit of a change from the first record. Um I would say we kind of have our identity as a band now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And this is kind of what our sound is, which I'm super stoked. But I think it's a record that kind of signifies new beginnings. A lot of these things we've just hit on. Um, My life changed a lot in the last two years. This record really reflects that growth, all that kind of stuff. Um, But, yeah, I'm really, really excited and feel super blessed to work with so many talented musicians in the last 40.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, amazing. Well, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and for being here today. Yeah, thanks for
1: having me. I appreciate it.
2: I got my mojo working, back on my routine.
0: so much to Clay for sharing his story. You can learn more about Clay's music and upcoming performances by clicking the link in our show notes. And thank you for tuning into the podcast today. We are so appreciative of your time spent listening and of your support of our work here at Collider. If you know an entrepreneur who would benefit from the conversation today, please share this podcast with them so that they can benefit from the experience of other business owners in the community. Rochester Rising is a part of Collider, a Rochester-based nonprofit that activates, connects and empowers early-stage entrepreneurs in our community. You can learn more about Collider and how our organization can help accelerate and assist your journey at Collider.mn. We launched Rochester Rising in 2016 to tell stories of entrepreneurship taking place within the city of Rochester, especially stories that otherwise would not have been told, and to take the time to understand each entrepreneur and what their experience has been like in this community. If you find value in this podcast, please consider donating and lending support to Collider's efforts to share the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs and inspire others on their journey. We use the local business Forgiving for our fundraising. You can find more information about our tip jar and how to donate through Forgiving in our show notes. We release a podcast episode the second Wednesday of each month here at Rochester Rising, which you can find on the Collider website or wherever you best like to listen to your podcasts, including on YouTube. We also have many articles and videos that we have created over the years telling the stories of both new and very experienced business owners. You can find all of that content on our website. Thanks again for tuning into Rochester Rising.